praise the Lord. You folks get another opportunity to come to the house of God and lift your voices and your, your hands and praise God. That's a good Sunday morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. It is good to be here. Thank you for being here this morning. If you're joining us on live stream, we believe that God can do profound things in your life as well. There are a few announcements this morning. Tuesday, December 6th, we will have our first Tuesday evening prayer in the sanctuary at 7.30 p.m. Saturday, December 10th, please remember that is an election day. And we will have our Christmas banquet on Friday, December 16th from 7 to 10. Um, there has been a category set up on our Easy Tithe to pay uh, for your entry. Uh, under 5 is free, ages 5 to 12. Remember that is $7.50. Ages 13 and up, it is only $15. It will be held at Forest Grove Plantation. And I'm really looking forward to this because Brother Greg Albritton is going to be entertaining us. To, uh, well, I would hope to get a better result. Than that, God, Brother All Britain is going to be entertaining us, and I'm very excited to hear him, right? Right? Praise the Lord. Uh, if you are planning to go, please make it a point to go on the app and, and make that payment so we can make some um, logistical decisions. Thank you. Uh, Grace Church Christmas service, God with us, is going to be on Sunday, December 18th, and also uh, Sunday, December 18th is Christmas for Christ offering deadline. Praise the Lord. Would you stand this morning? Kind of get stretched out. Look at the person next to you and tell them I'm here to worship the Lord. Can you lift your hands and your voices and give God the praise and the glory that he deserves? God bless you. Thank you. 
thankful that you're here. All of our guests here today, we're so thankful to have you join us today uh, on this amazing Sunday morning. And uh, thank you for coming to Grace Church and uh, being a part of our service. Um, again, we welcome those of you watching on live stream and Facebook Live. God bless you as well. Thank the Lord. Look at your neighbor and tell them I'm glad to see you. Thank the Lord. Look at someone else and tell them I like your hairdo. Thank the Lord. That's a very nice compliment. Turn to somebody else and tell them I like your teeth. The Lord, if you don't have teeth, we say it in faith. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. God bless you. You can be seated for a moment. And uh, we want to do something so very important this morning. And now uh, we're so excited and so thankful that Kaylee Dubrock was baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus this morning. Isn't that wonderful? We're excited about that. Thank the Lord. Kaylee, if you would, you mind walking up? You just walk up the stairs. And um, we're so glad that you made this decision. And we're so thankful that your family is here with you today. And we certainly welcome them. And uh, it's a wonderful thing to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And, and all of those sins from the past, they're all washed away. You may remember some of them from time to time, but he never will. They're all gone from his memory. That's a wonderful thing that happens right there, and only God can do that. Amen. Thank the Lord. So we have a certificate of baptism for you that just certifies that you, Kaylee Dubrock, was baptized in Jesus' name on Sunday, December the 4th. What a Christmas gift early from Jesus, right? So God bless you. We love you, Kaylee. Love you much, and thank you so very much. That's one awesome part of being pastor right there is to hand off a baptismal certificate and Holy Ghost certificate. We're certainly excited about that. Uh, Brother Ben mentioned the Christmas banquet a little while ago. 
And um, I just want to do a little pastor promotion here real quick. Um, you get out your smartphones all during church anyway, so I don't have to ask you to do that. A lot of you probably have them out right now. Have probably been reviewing a few things while we were presenting her her baptismal certificate. <clears throat> but I would like for you to get out your smartphone and text yourself or your spouse or your kids or your parents, whoever it may be, and say, do not, everybody get your phone out. We're, this isn't a rhetorical thing here. Uh, everybody get your phone out. Now, as much as I have permission and the authority, if you will, to ask you to get them out, I'm going to ask you in a minute to put them up. Right? So we agree. All right. So if you get your phone out and just text yourself, your spouse, somebody, and say, sign up for the Christmas banquet. As a reminder, type that in to your smart device. Say, sign up for the Christmas banquet. You can go to the website. Uh, it'll, it'll navigate you to it. And uh, this is so you don't forget, because we have people that come up from time to time, an event has come and gone, and they say, oh, man, I forgot all about it. So I know that everybody has a smart device here today, a, a phone of some sort, so this will help you remember. Back in the old days, you would tie a string around your finger or put a rubber band around your wrist to remind you. I thank God we have moved away from such antiquated reminders. Uh, so... If there's a good thing about these smartphones and whatnot, this is it. So sign up for the Christmas banquet. You will not, you will absolutely not regret it. And I want to thank our ministry team for their ministry over the past several weeks. Uh, Brother Jason and Brother Ben preached the last two Sundays, and uh, both of them were simply outstanding. And it was such a pleasure. We were actually traveling the Sunday that Brother Jason preached, and we pulled it up in our car and uh, watched the entire service from start to finish. Um, well, I watched it here and there. I listened to it mostly. I was driving. Okay. Thank you, Pastor Murphy, for not getting in a wreck playing on your phone while you're driving. You're welcome. Uh, but anyway, uh, wonderful, wonderful ministry. Thank you all so very, very much. Before I have you stand this morning for reading of the word of the Lord, I want to make somewhat of a statement before I preach, and that is that when uh, COVID-19 was, was over, I was confident that Grace Church would literally explode in revival and growth and what have you, but now, looking back in retrospect, it seems like the devil has seemingly launched an attack on the church literally all across America taking advantage of in my opinion and from my observation very weak faith and unspeakable fear our missionary that we had with us this past Wednesday night, Brother David Cadd told Sister Murph and I after church Wednesday night that after traveling around the country for the past couple of years that most churches and these are specifically United Pentecostal churches are fighting really hard to get back to some place where they were similar to the time before COVID and that most have lost 25 to 30% of their people. This is across the country. Well, the same is true here. So to continue this statement, if you folks will put the pic on the screen that I've requested, 
I have permission to do this. This beautiful little girl was at Grace Church with her parents earlier this year. They attend Brother Clark's church in St. Francisville, and they were not able to have service that morning, so this family came and visited with us. This little girl's grandmother is Sister Kathy Davis's sister. This little girl is standing right over here in this picture. You'll recognize the old platform and the carpet and whatnot. You can even see Casey in the background. She was standing right over here worshiping the Lord. This little girl was killed in a very tragic car accident during the Thanksgiving holiday in the little city of Clinton north of us. She was buried yesterday, and she was six years old. This isn't the only family that has suffered loss of some sort this year. And uh, I'm going down a path here right now, and I need for all of you to bear with me and understand. Uh, we pray consistently for Mike and Sherry Gregoire's family. Uh, they've lost at least three members of their family, uh, I believe, all this year. Uh, and I, if I remember correctly, all of them were under the age of 40. Prayed for the Knapp family. They lost their son this year, and I believe he was under the age of 40. Here at Grace Church, we've had numerous marriages that have failed this year. We have people here that have battled physical issues, emotional issues. And the list goes on and on. There's people here today that have suffered grievous tragedy having to do with perhaps a spouse or a child. I'll not go into any further detail than that. But I want everybody to set up straight and listen real close, both feet on the floor and listen with both ears. During all of this time, God has not been silent either. Amen. We have heard from God from across this pulpit all year long and there are at least two people that attend Grace Church on a regular basis that I have the deepest confidence in the deepest trust in and both of these people on numerous occasions this year have seen the literal manifestation of angels around this building inside of this sanctuary the latest that I'm aware of was this past Tuesday morning at prayer meeting. One of our ladies testified to Sister Murphy, I watched an angel follow you the entire time you were praying this morning. So yes, it's been a lot of battle, a lot of trial, a lot of tumult this year. But God is still firmly on the throne. And I believe that God has ministered to my heart, has spoken to my heart again this morning to bring a message to Grace Church. And the sermon I will be preaching today is one that I preached on October the 24th, 2010. But I have done some major editing to this sermon. I'm going to talk to you and if you Go ahead and stand with me. For, we'll read our text. But I'm going to, the title of this sermon 
is going to be an aroma from a dark place. And um, Donnie and Kathy, um, this was affirmed Tuesday with the visitation of the angelic here. But it's like I'm catching a scent, a, an odor from a very dark place. And that scent has been made manifest, Brother Billy, by the visitation of the angelic this year. Let me bring all of this together in John chapter 19, beginning with verse 38. Everybody listen carefully, follow along on the screen. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate, that he might take away the body of Jesus. Jesus had just been crucified, was dead. His body was dead on the cross. And Joseph went to Pilate, who was the governor of Judea at the time, uh, as a Roman. He asked Pilate that he might take away the body, the dead body, the dead, beat-up body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave, or God gave, or Pilate gave him permission. I want you to notice the next statement. Now, therefore, he came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night. John chapter 3 is where that's recorded. And brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about an hundred pound weight. Myrrh was a preservative used for embalming the dead in those days. And aloes was a sweet smelling fragrance for perfume. The first statement, first clause of verse 40. Then took they, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. They took the body of Jesus. And wound it in linen clothes with the spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. I've been there, as a matter of fact. And in the garden, a new sepulcher wherein was never, was never man yet laid. And there they laid Jesus. Therefore, because of Jews, the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. I want to preach to you for a little while this morning. Please be patient with me. I'm not in a hurry, and I hope you're not. But I'm not going to do like Brother Ben and promise to be short. I want to preach to you for a little while this morning about an aroma from a dark place. An aroma from a dark place. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. Thank you for your standing and your patience, and you may be seated. When we look down the long hallway of human history, there has been a lot of dark days on this earth that people have had to experience and go through. Most Americans say that the Great Depression was the darkest, uh, the darkest days of their life. My dad went through the Great Depression and he talked often about it. It's interesting to me that I have no recollection of my dad ever mentioning the attack on Pearl Harbor. 
I never remember him talking about that. He's, in his mind, the darkest day he ever lived was the Great Depression. And from my understanding, it had to have been an awful dark day. Some would deem the atomic bombing of Nagasaki and Hiroshima as a dark day, especially for the nation of Japan and even around the world, and it was. Most of us here today would conclude that maybe September the 11th, 2001, when the World Trade Center towers toppled, our Pentagon was attacked and another plane went down in a Pennsylvania field falling short, of its intended target, the White House in Washington, D.C. But virtually everyone here today has had a personal tragedy. Again, the Davises are here, and they experienced one for the past week or so in coming to some semblance of a conclusion yesterday, but the effect of it, the feeling of it will be there for a long time. But everybody here today has had a personal tragedy come to you or your family, or at least you know someone, or perhaps you are related to someone that has gone through a very dark day. It's interesting to me, especially in the names and things that I referenced at the beginning of this message, everybody thinks that nothing like this would ever happen to me. And it's happening all around us, to some of you, and to some and to people that we, we know and love. If you are here today in any kind of a student of history at all, or even acquainted with the elements of history, you have to admit that there have been a lot of dark days in the history of humankind that has lived on this earth. In addition to the darkness of tragedy, Sin is running rampant like none of us have ever witnessed before. We have truly reached a place, listen to pastor, we have truly reached a place of prophetical fulfillment where even in our own country that evil is called good and good is called evil. And to a lot of people and even some here today, the Word of God only applies to our lives when it is convenient or when we need something deep out of it. It is incumbent upon all of us here today not to be a part of prophetical fulfillment, as I've just mentioned. So back to my text today and the verses preceding it, the event preceding what I just read to you out of the Holy Scripture. From the standpoint of those who were close to Jesus, those that knew Him and had seen Him, they heard Him teach and <laughs> they heard Him preach. They saw Him perform miracles. I cannot imagine those some six to nine hours, nine hours, if you will, at his crucifixion, watching him suffer the way he suffered, 
and then to watch him die the way that he died. Cannot imagine those people that loved him so deeply. Cannot imagine how dark that day had to have been for those people. As a matter of fact, it wasn't just dark because Jesus was dying and it wasn't just an emotional darkness, a tragic day where the devil was literally having his way. But literally, it became a day of darkness because some six hours that Jesus was on the cross, after about three hours of hanging on the cross, the Bible said that the sun hid its face and there was a literal darkness that covered the land where it was like midnight or one o'clock in the morning, if you will. That whole entire day was filled with darkness because of his crucifixion. Pilate, prior to that, had sentenced Jesus to a cruel scourge where they beat him with a whip and crowned him with thorns and all of that. The soldiers mocked him They pulled his beard out by the handfuls. He was given a robe of purple, not to symbolize royalty, but to show him derision or ridicule, to mock him as the king of the Jews. The soldiers gave him drink with uh, with a bitter sponge of vinegar mixed with gall. It was a dark day. And he endured incredible pain and then add to that the shame of what he had to bear before he died. I'll remind you that he was summoned to drag his own cross through the streets of Jerusalem, leaving behind him a bloody trail, blood running down the backs of his legs and down his forehead from the crown of thorns and the horrible beating he took. Jesus made a statement during that trip from Pilate's Judgment Hall to Calvary, to Mount Calvary, when ladies rushed out to him to comfort him, and he mustered up enough strength to say, Don't weep for me, but weep for your children. And Mark said in his gospel in Mark 15, verse 33, And when the sixth hour was come, There was a darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. The darkness began at noon and lasted until about 3 p.m. This was a time of day when the sun should have been out at its brightest. But it was completely darkened. And while the Jews and the Romans were mocking him, little did they realize that there was a darkness that would not just settle on their day, but it would also settle into their heart and soul, and there was a much darker day ahead of them in their future. So while much of the thoughts, especially around Easter, are centered on the sufferings of Jesus, can you imagine what it took for those who would take him down from the cross. Can you imagine how they felt? (laughs) 
This is the man that walked on water and raised the dead and multiplied bread and all of that. And now his lifeless body is nailed to this structure of wood. And they have to take him down. I can't imagine the defeat, the hopelessness, and even perhaps the stillness of ultimate and absolute failure. Here was the body of the man that had literally restored hope to their lives and now he was dead. And I, I have a feeling that there were many, many tears, perhaps even people choking back sobs, that all of this pulled everything out of them. It pulled out all of their hope and their dreams and their future, this incredible darkness, a deep, pitching, stifling, choking darkness had come not only to their natural day, but also to their soul. Y'all listen to me for a moment. As the day progresses and turns to natural darkness of, of the night, and even to the wee hours of the morning, the Bible said on several occasions when the women came to that sepulcher, the Bible said, but while it was yet dark, the darkness even continued on into the night, making the darkness of his death the, the, the more troublesome and worrisome. And the Bible said that they reached the point where a few of them started making their feeble attempt to come out of the darkness. John, after being told by the women, he comes to the sepulcher. Peter shakes off his feelings of denial and failure, and he humbly comes. Mary, the mother of Jesus, shows up. The light is just starting to return to the next day. The sun is starting to come up. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, comes. And Mary Magdalene finds her way back. Their energy has been emptied out. Their red eyes have been exhausted by sobbing puddles of tears. The energy and the tears have been replaced with a deep feeling of resignation. One of the disciples may have very well expressed his thoughts something like this. Now up to the very last, I had not given up all hope that Jesus might yet come down from the cross, showing forth some mighty work worthy of a Messiah. Nor did I indeed know how much hope I had had till this moment of darkness where all hope perished. But now when I turned myself to go away and to leave Jesus forever, all things seemed to have ended. And I felt as alone in the world. I did not know whether there was a God or whether I myself had lived or whether all of my life was just a dream. I think it's a fair summation of what perhaps they had all felt, those that loved Jesus during this process. The fact is that they are now facing more darkness than ever before because 
despite the fact that the sun had returned to the skies. I would like for everybody here today to take a look around us. Take a look at our world. And if you just observe, even on the surface, you'll have to agree that our society is facing a lot of darkness. Darkness caused by cruel divorce. Darkness caused by gnawing depression. Darkness of broken dreams. Darkness of a nagging, limiting illness. Darkness of a destroyed friendship. The darkness of a wayward child. Darkness of a life that doesn't seem fair. Darkness because of job that demands much and returns little. Darkness of a mental weariness that just seemingly will not go away. The darkness of some past mistake that will never let you go. The darkness of family issues. Moms and dads losing their children at an early age. On and on we could go with this list. And it could, could steadily get longer. And it probably will. But the fact of the matter is that during all these times of darkness, there is still in existence a body of Christ. Joseph of Arimathea came and asked Pilate for the body of Christ. First of all, the body of Christ didn't belong to Pilate. Now, I could preach right here for about three hours, but I'm not going to. But I could. That body did not belong to Pilate. That body didn't belong to Mary. That was God's body. And let me share with you a revelation that God gave me this week. That body was dead and it was beat to a pulp. But it was still the body of Christ. Joseph of Arimathea's job was to take that body and put it in a place, a safe place, where it could be resurrected. Y'all just missed it. That's my whole sermon right there, and y'all missed it. One or two got it. His job was to take that body that was still Christ. Y'all still aren't hearing me. I feel like Jeff Arnold up here this morning. You still, you, you, y'all, you're not with me. I, maybe I'm not doing a good job. We'll see. That body was still Jesus. Okay, I don't know how else to say it. It was dead. It was beat to a bloody, bloody pulp. Was it not? But even the dead body of Christ, a dead, limp form of humanity, still on the inside of it, had the power to resurrect itself. Man! 
See, I would be more inclined to think. Now, I, 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 can't, I can't stray from my notes. We'll be here until 2 o'clock. I, I, but I, I have to say this right here. I would be more inclined to say if Jesus had the flu, if Jesus had COVID, we better take him to a reputable hospital and see if somebody can get him back, back on his feet so he can start ministering again. If Jesus is burned out, send him on a two-week vacation somewhere. But Jesus was dead. Do you all hear me today? I don't think you're hearing me. He was dead. There was no heartbeat. There was His lungs were not breathing air. His brain was not functional. Y'all still aren't hearing me today. Donnie, you'll get it. He'll tell me after church, y'all already got it. He, he, Lord told him this 28 years ago. Who? Told you. Who would want to go through all of that for a dead body? Okay. Here's the second part of it. Nicodemus showed up. The John chapter 3 Nicodemus. You must be born of water and spirit, Nicodemus. He showed up with aloes and burr. We're going to embalm him. Well, I'm going somewhere with this, and I'm stringing this out as long as I can because it's going to be good here in a minute. I need some aisle runners to get ready here in a minute. Nicodemus. Joseph just wanted to take the body and put it in a sepulcher. Nicodemus had other plans. We're going to put him in a sepulcher because that's where he's going to be for the next forever. He's going to be embalmed. So a dead, beat up, beaten to a pulp. God only knows how much blood he's lost. Body of Christ is taken to a sepulcher. And Nicodemus embalms that body. Even that body. Even that body has enough power on the inside of it to resurrect itself from the dead. Oh, my. Oh, my. I believe God just making an exclamation point He could have resurrected as soon as he came down off that cross. They didn't have to bury him. They didn't have to go through none of that. But Jesus, just to make a point, said, just leave me in there for three days. Let all that aloe and myrrh and all, let it just sink in. Wrap me up in linen as tight as you can. You mummify me. I want to be buried like the Pharaoh of Egypt. I want you to make it as hard and as difficult for me to resurrect as you can. Because even then, that body 
still has enough power. When Jesus came out of the grave, Brother Donnie, there were scars there to show that he was a victor, not a martyr. <laughs> Woo! Boy, I'm feeling good right about now. Hallelujah. He saved a few scars. That body healed. In three days, do you realize those 39 stripes on his back and what that crown of thorns did and how them nails punctured tendons and muscles and bone and all of that? In three days, he walked out without a limp, but he saved a few scars on his hands and feet and one in his side so he could show the doubting world that I'm not a martyr, but I'm a victor. Oh, hallelujah to God. Now, this is what God spoke to me several days ago. <laughs> Do y'all understand that the church is a type of the body of Christ? We all want to be the walking on water Jesus. And we all want to be the multiplying bread Jesus. We all want to be the Jesus filled with wisdom and that ultimate witness to help people all around us we do. But God spoke to my spirit and I believe he did. That through COVID and especially this year, the church has been attacked like it's not been attacked. It's been beat up from every angle you can imagine. I gave you a very short list here today. There's people that I know that are struggling with their relationship with God on every kind of level you can imagine. They're depressed. They're lonely. They're discouraged. Some of them don't believe there's a God anymore. Some people, some of these people don't believe that God even cares for them anymore. These people are a part of the body of Christ, and they've taken nails through their heart, and they've taken thorns around their mind, and their backs have been beaten because of the burdens they carry. But you listen to Pastor Murphy preach today under the anointing and the authority of the word of God even that body of Christ even that body of Christ still has the power to resurrect itself it ain't over oh my God it's not over let's clap our hands to the Lord everybody clap your hands This is what God's looking for. You may be seated. I got to be real careful here. The Bible said that Nicodemus was a disciple. Joseph, excuse me, was a disciple. But he was a secret disciple because of the Jews. He was afraid of them. Nicodemus met with Jesus under the cover of darkness because he didn't want anybody to see him. The people that ministered to Jesus during this time 
were not people who had received miracles from him. They're not people who had... He wasn't a disciple that Jesus called him out of the boat and said, hey, come walk on water. They weren't one of the disciples that walked around with a basket, a little dab of bread and fish in their hand and multiplied and fed the disciples. These people were, they were very affluent, very well-known, very prominent people. They were on the Sanhedrin board. They, they were a part of the people that helped sentence Jesus to his death. And they had to do it. They did it in opposition, but they had to do it for the sake of their own life. I believe somehow, somewhere along the line, God is building in this church right now the spirit of a Nicodemus, the spirit of a Joseph in this church right now. Because our job is going to be, we have to find a place for these hurting people and give them, lay them down somewhere. Because the spirit of resurrection is still on the inside of them. And God is going to raise them up again. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. You may be seated. So, this past Tuesday morning, April, after prayer meeting, Sister Murphy walked in my office and her face looked different. I said, I heard it. I heard the noise. I don't know what happened, but I heard something had gone on in here. And she said, Sister April said she saw an angel following me the whole time I was praying this morning. It just occurred to me, out of all the darkness that's around us, that's around the church, when she said that, I recognized the spirit of a Joseph of Arimathea and a Nicodemus in our church, Melanie. Melanie, listen to me. I recognized the spirit of those two men, and I smelt the aroma of myrrh. And hallows. What some may have been planning to be an eternal burial, I smell the scent of a resurrection. To every other dead body, that smell meant forever. Don't be morbid. But we understand how this works. When little Clara was laid to rest yesterday and Brother Clark did the graveside service, that's for most people the final goodbye until rapture. But not in this case. Not in this case. (laughs) Jesus didn't hear trumpets then. Michael the archangel, I don't know that he did anything. I don't know how it happened, but somewhere in the stillness of that pitch black dark sepulcher, I've been in what they believe is that sepulcher, and they make a good argument for it. I don't know if it is or not, but they make a good argument for it. Buddy, you put that stone in front of that big hole, and you seal it with Caesar's wax, there's not a ray of light coming in from nowhere. It is pitch black in the midst of all of that. Oh, God. 
there was still a power that seeped in somewhere and got a hold of that mummified body that was beaten to a bloody pulp and said, wake up out of your slumber. You have some more ministry to do. pretty good idea about some folks here today. Y'all be seated for a minute. I'm, I'm done. Almost. Y'all just feel like there's people here today that just feels like you've been beat up from from one end of the world to the other. Life has been everything but fair and all you've ever tried to do was to minister to people and to help people and to make people's lives better, try to be a witness for Jesus. And it's like the devil has stepped into your life and has turned you every which way but loose. But God spoke to me. Lay hands on people and fill them with comfort and fill them with encouragement. I know what's happened. I know most of what's happened. But it ain't over yet. God can take your broken body, mentality, emotions, all that. And just let the presence of the Lord come in and say it's time, as the praise team sang, to get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. It's a word from the Lord. I don't know how to do this like a lot of these preachers do it, but I'm telling you, the hand of God has not left the Indy family. And there's still a resurrection coming. Resurrection coming. The devil, Shaquana, has tried to sift you and your family like wheat. Some of the reasons I know and some I do not. But I know today God spoke to me. And there's that little aroma. There's a scent of not forever death. But God wants you smelling good when you come up out. He's going to take those murders and aloe and do something amazing and give you a fragrance of Christianity like you've not known he'll do that if you'll let him. He's given you a burden to carry. Yes, he has. But that burden is going to make you strong and a mighty woman in the Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection's coming. You understand me today? I could walk all around this building. And I could virtually go from one family to the next, to the next, to the next. But I smell an aroma. Jason, if you would, everybody stand. for life like you've never had before and I'm going to ask you to receive it right now in the name of Jesus receive it right now 
the name of Jesus. I could go all around this building. I don't need to say anything. I don't need to say anything. But God knows what He's doing. Resurrection's coming. It's not over. Hope is still ahead of us. Hope is still in front of us because I smelled it this week, God. I smelled that fragrance, that odor. That God is preparing us not for an eternal death, but for a resurrection of hope and life like we've never known before. And I feel the spirit and the presence of a Joseph and a Nicodemus here today. They want to take the body of Jesus and put it in a place safe where it can be resurrected. And God wants to do that for a whole host of people here this morning. God wants to do this for a whole host of people here this morning. Our young folks have already come while they're playing and singing softly, I'm going to ask everyone to come behind them. Our ministry team is going to walk through the, 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 the group. We're going to pray with people. We're going to minister to people. And we're going to represent a Nicodemus and a Joseph today. God is about to do a resurrection in this church. I believe it with all of my heart. And I'm going to ask you to open your heart and mind to Jesus right now. Everybody, everybody, open your heart to the Lord right now. Everybody, come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. God wants to take you by the hand and lead you out of a dark place and into a place of ministry like you've never been before. Come on, ministry team. Help me this morning. Help me this morning in the name of Jesus. I believe in God for a miracle of resurrection where God's going to heal your emotions. God's going to heal you physically. God's going to heal you mentally. Let God work in you right now. Let God work in you right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. God knows where you are right now. God knows where you are right now. Let him have his way. Let him have his way. Let him have his way. In the name of Jesus.
So we.